You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Um, this week, I was, I was uh, prepping for today, as you would probably hope that I do. Um, and I, I got like halfway through, I'd done all my research and everything, I got halfway through my sermon, and it was going to be like, it was going to be like a really in-depth like study into like... Um, Greek words and like how they link in with like other words and stuff in the Old Testament and all this stuff. It was going to be amazing. And then God was like, "No, you don't. You're not going to do that this Sunday. That's not. That's not what I've prepped." So I was like, "No, why?" And I was like, I was genuinely like praying, and I was like, "It's Thursday afternoon. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm really stuck." So, um, so this morning, um, I'm going to continue or probably finish off um, our faith series that we've been going through. We had a bit of a break last week with the, with the kids and everything that went on there. But yeah, I'm going to be doing um, sort of our faith, faith uh, sort of final sermon. And um, I've sort of subtitled it, Whose Faith Is It Anyway? So that's sort of where I'm going with this. And as I, as I start, or to sort of set the tone, set the scene for, for what we're doing this morning, um, I want to just show a quick video which hopefully will work and hopefully will um, we'll just sort of set, set the tone for where I'm going. Probably need to move this a little bit, but um, yeah, cool. The final frontier. These are the voyages... No, that's ridiculous, although that's where most people take this topic, to science fiction. Faith. What is it really? A magic feeling that we get to help us through tough times? A mystical bridge between fact and fiction? Is it really blind? Is it a word we use when we can't explain ourselves? Is it real on any level? Let's investigate. Hypothetical. A person says to you, I sure do wish I could believe in Millie Buggins like you do, I just don't have that kind of faith. Well, what that person is really saying is that Millie Buggins aren't real, and you are the type of person who believes in unreal things, and it takes this strange faith thing that not many other people have for you to get there. Okay, in the nicest way possible then, this person is calling you insane, or at best just a little nutty. So you have this odd capability of believing in something you desperately wish to be true, but you just can't be sure if it is. However, since it makes you feel better, it's worth it. For you. Well, that pretty much sums up what faith means to most people. In other words, the stronger your faith, the more ridiculous the belief must be. Because after all, a little faith helps you believe in things that probably aren't true. So then a really powerful faith will be the kind of faith you absolutely know something isn't true, but you still believe it anyway. Thus, faith is reduced to some blind anecdotal act that magically suspends disbelief of reality in order to make you feel better. But, you gotta wonder... Is this really the kind of faith the Bible talks about? Let's look at the word again, okay? Let's refocus. The Bible refers to faith really in only one way. It's like this. Suppose I say, I have faith that my friend will repay me the ten bucks he owes me on Saturday because he said he would. See, there's nothing strange about that faith, and nobody would fault me for having it if they knew my friend. Because what I'm saying essentially are three things. One, my friend is real. Two, he's trustworthy. And three, which is really a subset of two, I believe one and two because I have a relationship with my friend. Now, for just a second, let's get morbid to make a critical illustration. What if my friend died on the way to give me my ten bucks back? He didn't come through. No matter how much faith I had in him, how real and completely trustworthy he may have been, he didn't have the power to live up to my faith. Was he really any less trustworthy or any less real? No. But the person or object on which I place my faith is an essential part of how strong my faith should be. I mean, how much faith do you have that your two-year-old basset hound can drive your new Lexus to the bank and bring you back a thousand dollars in twenties? None, I hope. But now... 
turn that analogy of my friend and your dog toward God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal, and incapable of lying, and ask yourself this, on whom does it make the most sense to place your greatest faith? Well, I'll tell you. Anyone who has a right relationship with God, and quite honestly, anyone who doesn't, knows he is the only one capable of doing everything he says, the only one with the knowledge of the future, the only one who understands everything, the only one who really knows you, and the only one who has revealed through nature and his word who he is and what he's done, how much he loves you, and why he is the only completely trustworthy one there is. Got it? Good. In summary, then, faith in God is always a response to truth and reality and has nothing to do with blind leaps, the USS Enterprise, or wishful thinking. Trust me. this back. Oh, yeah. It's like I didn't go anywhere. No. Um, faith in God is always a response to truth and reality. That's the sort of summary that the guy said on the video there. And I really liked that. I was looking for like something that, I could, that, that would really sort of link in to what I wanted to share this morning. And, and that line, I think more than, more than anything else, that that's the line really stuck out to me. Faith in God is always a response to truth and reality. See, we can trust in the Lord because of the truth of who he is. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But also we can trust in the, in the Lord as a result of the reality of his actions. It's not a blind leap into the unknown... It's an active trust into the known and to the revealed. We can be sure of the death and resurrection of Jesus as the reality of God's redeeming act. And, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit bears witness to the truth and reality of, of Christ, of Jesus. And so, faith then becomes the logical response. But maybe you're in a situation where your reality doesn't align with what you know of God. Maybe you've got certain financial pressures. Maybe you, you've got relationship pressures. Maybe there's, there's an illness. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe you can't see a way out of of a situation. There was a time when, um, sort of, I felt, um, and I've shared this. I've shared this in part before, but some of you may or may not have, have heard this. There was a time where where I had sort of a, a, a step of faith to make, um, and that was to to go to Bible college, which was in 2011. So it's like ages ago now. People have been born since then. It's crazy. Um, I I had this sort of thing that was going on in my mind, and, and I had to make this faith step. I had to make this decision to go off to to Bible college, and I was working at the time. I had a full time job um, that was going okay. I was looking for other jobs, um, sort of six months or so before I even thought about going to Mattersea and looking for sort of like stepping up to the next level. I already had a degree, everything was going well for me. Um, and all of a sudden, if I were to take the amount of money that it would have cost me to go to Bible college, 
and also the amount that I was getting paid from my job, which I wouldn't have anymore. I sort of had this £70,000 deficit that God was asking me to take a step of faith in. And I was like, oh, it's really cool to just trust in God and, and put my faith in God when, when all I'm doing is looking at sort of the truth of Jesus, the reality of Jesus. But when he actually asks you to do something and to step out in something and to, and to do something which is going to essentially cost you £70,000 in unearned money and money you have to also give out, you're like, ah. Oh, not that sure this is you. I'm not that sure that this is what you, what you want me to do, God. But it was. And, you know, God promised me that he would um, provide for me, that he would look after me, that he would um, sort of give me the finances to get through. If any, in case you um, aren't aware, once you've got a degree, you can't get then another student loan. So I couldn't just go to the student loans company and say, oh, um, can I get the money for this other degree because they would just go no you've already had it you've already done it once you can't do it again so I was in this situation and, I w- and I, I'd saved up a bit of money I'd got myself to Bible college I started off everything was great and then I had to pay my fees and I was like oh man I've got no money how am I going to do this how am I going to work it out and, and there were various sort of little bits of, of things that, that I was like well I'm not going to be able to do this I'm not gonna, and, and I can't sort of, I know, I feel like God's promised that he's going to look after me, but the deadline's getting closer and closer, and I was saying to my friends, like, you know, I probably won't be able to come back next year, and I probably, like, I might just, I might just take a year out and work for a year so that I can afford to come back again, and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then, at various, at various points, um, at one point I remember I got a phone call, um, asking me to um, do a gig and play drums for for this um, for this band just as a as a one off thing, and so I thought, yeah, fair enough, and and there was some money in it, so it was great, really good. Um, and then from from that one gig, then I got offered more and more and more, and you know, it got to the point where every weekend I was out playing all over the country, um, Friday and Saturday night. Um, I did have to like get back to Manchester at 5.30 on a Sunday morning and get to church for 8.30, but never mind. That was pretty, that was pretty tough. Um, but, you know, there's, there's these little things that something just happens. You know, I was at my, I was at my um, cousin's wedding um, and my uncle um, had seen a couple of videos that I'd made um, just online and, and he owns a business and he said, I'd, I'd really love like a video for the business that I run. You know, it'd be really helpful for um, sort of attracting new clients, all, all this sort of stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I can probably sort that out. And thought nothing more of it. You know, but since then, I've I've literally had thousands and thousands of pounds worth of work from this contact with my uncle and other companies that he's then spoken to, where God just came through for me and provided for me. And it's not it's not a case of like me setting up this this amazing company that like advertised all around and got all this work and stuff it's just literally at the point where I needed it God came through on his promise the reality is that God's promise is for provision or at least at least for me he said that he would provide and he does and in a sense that makes it easier then for me to take a next step you see, 
I the the sort of next step for me was was um, after Bible college getting offered to to come here to a place where I don't really know anyone. Um, I was going to be living with people I don't really know, um, five hours or so from home, um, and and all of that, and and not really having like I was like, am I going to have enough to sort of do things that I want to do and. And all this sort of stuff. And even just even just this last week, um, there was a point maybe about a week or so ago, I had about three pounds in my bank account. And I was like, oh man, I've got like another week before I even get paid or, or anything. I'm not going to be able to survive it, you know. And, uh, and I wanted, so, I wanted uh, I've started running. And I uh, was really wanting some trainers for, for running. And, um, and some uh, lovely family, I'm not going to mention, um, Gave me an envelope with with thirty pounds in towards trainers, and I, I went out and I, I picked some up off the shelf, and I was like, these are a little bit more expensive, but I probably can stretch to it. And got to the till, and they they'd been reduced, and so I was like, this is amazing. Like you can't you can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. You know, another friend who who owed me um, owed me some money from something from way back in in summer, and said, you know, I'm really struggling at the moment. I can't afford to pay you. When I get the money, I'll pay you. You know, it happened that this week he had the money and paid me without me reminding him or anything like that. Just, but just at the point when I needed it, and it's like these these little coincidences or all that are just testimony to to God's provision. You know, and I know that God's going to provide for me because He said He would. And I, this the experience of when I owed, for example, um, almost two thousand pounds to to Mattersy. Um, to pay my fees and I, I had sat, sit down conversation with the principal and he's like how are you going to pay it and all this stuff and I was like well can I not, not just like maybe just not come back and all this sort of stuff and he's like you know what I'm going to say no to everything and I'm going to say you just need to trust in the Lord because there's going to come a point in your life when you're going to have to trust for way more than this than this amount way more that you trust him from now, for now but if you know that God's coming through for you now, then when you have to do that bigger step in the future, you're going to have all this foreknowledge of like what God's done for you in the past. And just, just that sort of like, it's like almost like, well, you know what, I'm not that bothered. I'm not that bothered about money or what sort of what I have or what I don't have or when I, you know, because I know that God's going to provide for me. And that's a promise that he's made to me, and it's a promise that he comes through on again and again. So, all that, I mean, just to say, just, just as an example of sort of what, what Jesus put in there, what Jesus put, um, spoke of, he, he spoke of the, the birds that neither sow nor reap, um, but God looks after them. You know, all that just to say, that's what Jesus said, and this is my experience. You know, the, the trusting in the Lord kind of works for me. So maybe it should work for you. I don't know. But you see, we're not always in that situation. Faith involves trusting in the Lord when we have an even-if moment. What I mean by that um, is sort of reference to Daniel 3, 16 to 18 which is the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego which 
I expect most people are familiar with, but I'll just, it's only a couple of verses, so I'll, I'll read it through. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it, from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. See, in the even if moment, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had faith that God was going to deliver them. And why is that? Why, how, how can you have that sort of faith that, that you go, even if I'm still going to trust in God? It's because it's in his character that they trusted. It's in his nature that, he trust, that they trusted. Because that's the kind of God that he is. Because they know the truth and reality of the, his grace. They know the time when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them. They know that this is in his nature. They know that he can do it, but even if he doesn't, trusting in him is the logical response to that truth and reality. Another example, the, uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 28 about um, all things working together for good. I mean, how can you write that if not from an even-if moment, if you look at the Apostle Paul and what had happened in his life? You know, he'd gone from this sort of high-up Jew doing all, the, all these persecutions and, and stuff of the, of the church, and um, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been thrown in jail. He, he was writing to the Romans, he was, he was about to go to Rome, and, and he, he knew that it was going to be bad for him to go to Rome, but he sort of felt like God had called him there and eventually was, was martyred. How can you say that God works all things together for good when you're a person who's been in situations like that? Unless your faith is not based on some out there concept, a leap of like, jump, jumped out sort of leaping God but on the concrete reality of who he is and what he's done. I think that you can only rely on God in those even-if moments if you know his truth to be absolute. So, I've talked about faith sort of being like a logical step, but how can it be, how can this sort of thing be logical when so many people... Um, you sort of have debates, you know, I believe, I believe in, in God and the other person goes, well, I just trust in logic and reason. And as, some, as if somehow what you believe in is therefore as a result not logical or reasonable. Um, I don't think that to be true, to be, to be honest. But where does, where does it come from? Where does, where does faith come from? How can it be the logical step? Where does it come from? I think that faith is an appropriate response to Christ's redeeming act. I think it's not a case of blind trust 
in a God you hope is there and you hope is somewhere out there and, and sort of, you know, just in case I'm wrong, I'm going to trust in God. Um, just, just in case I sort of like, there is a hell or there is a heaven, you know, I want to go to heaven just in case because I want to, you know, I, I don't want to, don't want to be sort of like, I don't want to get there and it not, and not be there. You know, I've heard, I've heard, uh, some Christians saying like, you know, if, even if like, um, all of this is not true and, and I just die and it's, and not, none of it's true, like, I've had a good life anyway, so, so I'm not really that bothered. But I sort of like wonder about that and I like turn to the writings of, of Paul in, in, uh, Corinthians and he says, actually, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, if it's not real, then what's the point? We might as well all pack up and go home. Like, and to be honest, if the resurrection of Jesus wasn't, didn't happen, then I'm not interested. Like, but the, the truth is that it did. The reality is that it did. And so it's into that that I'm putting my trust. It's into that that I'm putting my faith. Not into some, you know, I sort of hope there's a God and like, you know, I sort of pray to him sometimes and, you know, and, and yet we, we go to church and we have nice stories and that's really cool and that's really good. Um, but it's, it's in the, tr- it's in the truth and reality of, of Jesus, his redeeming act and his resurrection. That's what we put our trust into. Something concrete, something sure and secure. And then the logical response is to say, I'm going to have faith into that because that's true. Because that's reality. It's an active expression of trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is, just to back this up, that is witnessed in our own lives through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Which, if, um, if that had never happened, we'd not have the Spirit. We'd not have been, the Spirit would not have, have come um, sort of into our own lives. We'd not be being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We'd not be being transformed by the Spirit. We can witness to the testimony of Jesus' resurrection by the transformation of the Spirit in our own lives. I think God gives us faith. And I think how we exercise it is up to us. I think it's more, more a case of this sort of seed of faith being planted in us and rising as we, as we hear God's word, as we, as we hear what he's done, as we hear about his character, as we learn about him, this faith rises up in us and out of that, trust in God seems to be the appropriate response, seems to be the thing we ought to do. In Romans 1.17, Paul writes that the righteous one will live by faith. And that particular phrase draws upon a verse in Habakkuk 2.4 um, in a way that's, that's not unique to the writers of the New Testament but is probably worth noting in that Paul's interpreting that verse in Habakkuk through the lens of Jesus. Paul's saying that the righteous one was Jesus Christ and he lived by faith. Saying Jesus was the righteous one who lived by faith. If we were to take Romans 117, um, there's a certain turn of phrase which we don't always get in English that's sort of there in the Greek. 
kind of makes sense to sometimes translate things in a way that kind of make more sense to us, but the sense is sort of there in the Greek, if that makes sense. And Paul is talking about, Paul's talking about the gospel. He's saying that through the gospel, righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. And that's the phrase that's, that's sometimes for faith or sometimes, you know, other, other different sort of words. But from faith to faith is the, is the sort of um, most literal way of translating the Greek. So in that sense, there's a flow from faith to faith. But what does that mean? How do we sort of like deal with that? There's a progression that's, that's best expressed as being from the faithfulness of Jesus to the faith of all those who trust in him. So in other words, from Jesus' faithful death and resurrection, from all that Jesus did, Jesus' faithfulness to God, the appropriate response then is our faith. Your faith is not a leap into the unknown. It's a step onto a firm foundation. The Christ into whom we place our trust has already faithfully died on our behalf. And in the light of his faithful death, the logical response is to place our own trust into that faithfulness. In the faithfulness of Christ to God and ultimately in God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. We see similar movements in, in sort of all in lots of passages in the Bible and I could go on all day but I, I won't um, point is whose faith is it it's a move from Christ's faithfulness to our faith into that faithfulness into his death and resurrection and even more so it's only possible because God gave us that faith in the first place it's not something that we just conjured up out of thin air. So, if our faith comes from God, and the appropriate response is to trust in God, how does that work out for us? Every day, day by day. Right from like the dawn of time, I feel like I should say in low voice, the dawn of time, um, there's a phrase that shapes us. Right there in the garden, the seed of doubt is, is sort of planted by the serpent. Did God really say? Did God really say? It's like such a painful phrase to, it just sticks to us. It's this, it's a weird thing that just sort of gets to us and, and we, we sort of like, did God really say? Did God really tell you to go to Bible college or are you just making it up? You know? goes to the core of everything that we know to be true about faith. Everything that we know to be true about God. The true faith comes from God. And it's the appropriate response to Christ's faithful act. That it's a sure and certain hope. Because did God really say goes against trust in the Lord. 
They're almost opposite phrases. The world asks us, did God really say? And our response must be yes. Yeah, he did. And how do we know that, yes, he did? How do we know that that's the response? We know it because of Jesus. And we can tell you about Jesus and we can tell you about Christ's faithfulness. Because it's into that that we put our trust. It's not into, into our own sort of made-up illusions of, well, we think God might be like this. Never really read the Bible, but he might, might sort of like, like me a bit. I don't know. Not really sure. It's, it's into Christ and Christ's faithfulness that we, that we trust. And so we can be sure that God really did say, because we're trusting into Christ. We're not trusting into our own concepts. Have you ever had a did God really say moment? I mean, I can put my hand up to that. You know, one of the, one of the times, you know, I was talking about Bible college and everything that went on there. One of the times I was coming, um, I think I was coming back from like having a meeting with the bursar or something like that. And you sort of, at that time, you left your doors unlocked. Now you probably wouldn't because you never know who's there, do you? You know. But I was very trusting. Um, so I left my door unlocked anyway. I got back into my room and my Bible was on my bed, um, which was strange because it's normally on a shelf dusty and never read. No, I'm jo- joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No. Um, I, 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 yeah, I'm, um, I don't leave things just sort of on my bed. Um, so I saw my Bible on the bed and I'm like, I wonder what, who's been in my room? Who's been messing with my things? And I was like, Oh, I'm really angry. No, I, was, I wasn't angry at all. I was really, like, grace, gracious, maybe. I don't know. Um, anyway, I opened, I opened the Bible, and there was, a, there was a little envelope that someone put in, and inside the envelope there was £100, which one of my sort of fellow students had, had just gone, Chris probably needs this more than I do right now. You know, and actually, the money isn't the issue there it's it's god reminding me that he's that he said he'll provide for me and he will you know that's the thing that that sort of stuck with me you know because god really did say and i don't know sometimes we need reminders sometimes it doesn't always look the way that we thought it would when you go through, I don't know, relationship breakdown, you suffer with illness, you have illness in the family or, you know, all sorts of stuff like this. You see someone else doing better than you and you think, well, you know, why is this, this person's like not a righteous person. They shouldn't be like having all these fancy things. Like I should be having them. Um, or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is that really sort of like gives you a did God really say moment. The faith response is to say yes. Not because of circumstance, not because of the stuff that's going on now, but because of what we know of God, what we know of Jesus, the redeeming act, the the resurrection, and what we hope for in the future. I had um, I had a foster brother. And um, I can't really go into too much detail, but he, we knew him from the age of like eight, and he sort of like, my mum started visiting him, and 
he was profoundly deaf and my mum was a great signer so she would take him out and she'd take him for like um, to the park or like for lunch or whatever and she'd, she'd be the only person in his life who really um, was not staff you know and, and could care for him and, and that and, and over time um, he came and stayed with us for weekends my parents went through fostering training all this stuff happened he ended up coming living with us um, and we was like this was this was great and, and you know we loved him like a, I loved him like a brother my parents loved him like a son you know and all this stuff went on anyway at one point the, the relationship sort of broke down and, and um, he was having some behavioural issues and, and they had to sort of give us a little bit of respite and we thought well he's probably this will go on for a little while and then he'll come back and live with us and all that sort of stuff but we didn't expect that they would um, send him away that they would send him away to a, a school that was for the deaf it was a boarding school that was about seven or eight hours drive away and we didn't expect that they would say we it's in his best interest not to speak to him anymore um, and we didn't expect all of these things that happened to us and you know the questions started coming you know did God did God really say in that time when he was taken away in that time that, that he wasn't there our circumstances said did God really say that did God really want you to get involved in his life because all you feel now is like hurt and loss is that is that like the, the feeling that God wanted you to have and you know you're in that sort of place and you're like I don't know what I don't know what to trust in but the reality and the truth of God of who he is tells us to to trust in him tells us to look at him in that time tells us to put our faith into him into what he's done who he is and You know, even if we never see him again, sort of, we still trust in the Lord. The reality now is that he's back with my parents, that there's been a restoration that's gone on. Um, there's, um, it's, all, it's literally in the last couple of months that this has happened, so it's, it's very sort of new reality. But in, in that, you know, even if he wasn't with us now, we trust in the Lord because we know that God's bigger than our circumstances. We know that he can turn it around. And just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, even if he doesn't, he's still the one to trust in. There's not just one garden story in the Bible. It's talking about did God really say and what the serpent said to, to um, sort of Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. It's not just the story of Adam and Eve. There's a story of Jesus in the garden. And I think the story of Jesus in the garden is, is one moment in his life where his faith is most likely to waver. Where he's most likely to go, did God really say? Where he knows that he's going to be killed. He knows that he's going to be captured. And he's praying this excruciating prayer full of like wanting a way out. Maybe doubt even. Jesus' did God really say moment. And you know, I thank God that in that moment, Jesus said, 
Yeah, he did. That in that situation, he had he had the faith, the trust in God to say, yeah, God really did say this. Let me say again that faith is not from us, it's from God. And trusting in God is something we can be sure of. What's, what's God called you to? Have you responded in your life with, oh, did God really say? Have you gone, oh, leave it, leave it for a month, leave it for a year, leave it for ten years, you know, <laughs> however long it is. For me, coming here, as I've said, was a faith step. But once you've seen God's provision in your life, like I have, you become more confident to say, yes, God did really say. And you say yes to bigger things. Um, but it takes that initial step of going, did God really say, well, yeah, because I know who God is. Maybe you, you might be in a place where every time you hear that, did God really say, Voice, you go, mm, maybe you didn't, maybe I'll just not do this, maybe I'll just not do that or the other. Maybe you're the person who says, I'm not sure if God really did say. But let me encourage you to trust in the Lord this morning. And to trust in the Lord, not simply because it's the right thing to do, or that it works for me, um, and you, you're there thinking, well, it's all right for you, it's worked for you. You know, you don't know about my life or my situation or whatever. You know, it sounds like something Christians are supposed to do or, you know, none of those are sustainable responses. None of those will get you beyond this point right now where you're thinking, actually, yeah, I should trust in God, to outside of the door where you go, uh, did God really say... None of, none of those responses are going to get you there. Trust in the Lord because it's the appropriate response to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Trust in the Lord because he is who he says he is. Tyler was talking the other, other week there about Jesus getting out of the boat and walking on the water and the disciples going, oh, it's a ghost. Um, and Jesus going, no, there's no such thing as ghosts on Jesus. No, that's not what he said. Um, Jesus' response in the Greek was, ego eimi, which is I am. So you'll see in your Bibles, you usually say, don't worry, it is I, or it's me, or something like that. In the Greek, he's saying, don't worry, I am. That same phrase in the Old Testament that God used to describe himself to Moses at the burning bush, I am. To trust in the Lord is to take I am seriously. It's to take the claim of God's divinity and Jesus's also seriously. It's to take Christ's acts of redemption, his death and resurrection seriously. It's a statement of release. It's a statement saying, don't worry because I am. Everything you go through, you can be sure and certain that God did really say. God did really say. So when we face with doubt and the voice whispers or maybe screams, did God really say, we can know for sure that he really did. So is God calling you to, to trust him in your finances, 
Is he calling you to trust him in your relationships? Is he calling you to trust him for healing? Is he calling you to trust him in, in work, in a, in a change that he's, he's said for you to make in your life? Is it something massive that, like, if you were to tell someone, you were like, they, you can't do that? You know, is, it, is he trusting you in that? Is he saying, trust me, I did really say it? Know that in all things, Jesus' death and resurrection declares that he's won. Um, just as we were singing the song, um, was it Anchor just before we, just before we broke for like notices and things? Just as we were singing, singing that song, you have not forsaken me, sort of like was going around in my head and I was like, oh, I was just reminded of Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, so many times we, we get to a point where we're like, why, why did Jesus, like, why was he so doubtful of God, like, in the end? Um, and we miss the, the thing that he was doing um, without going too far back into, like, history and, like, rabbinic codes and the kinds of stuff that they did. Um, to quote a psalm, for example, you would quote the first line and everyone else would know it and they'd know what you were talking about. Um, and I encourage you to go home and read Psalm 22 and have a look and see the beginning of that psalm that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the psalmist going all through all this stuff, talking about my hands being pierced and my bones being broken and all this stuff that's going on, and finishing with um, a statement that he's won. I'll see if I can actually... It'll be worth finding the actual statement if my app... This is the problem with technology is the apps don't actually load when you want them to. So I'm just going to freestyle for a little minute now. Um, yeah, it says, it should be told, in verse 30 and 31, it should be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. I mean, that's the end of the, of the psalm that Jesus quotes when he's on the cross. He's not saying, God, I really don't trust in you anymore. Did you really say this? Is this something you really said? Um, he's starting from that place of, of doubt as the psalmist started and coming to the logical conclusion that he has done it. And that's the place that we need to be in. He has done it. In every situation... Jesus has won the victory. Trusting in the Lord then becomes the only logical response. Becomes the only thing that we can, we can do that's appropriate to the fact that, that Jesus has won. Even more so, it's a call to action. When Jesus was called to trust God, it wasn't so that he would have a nice life and you know everyone would think that he was a great moral teacher and he said lots of nice things which we often hear people who don't trust in the Lord say about Jesus although I'm not sure like nice people get put on crosses but that's probably an aside Jesus was called to trust God in an active response that led to his death Abraham was called to trust God in an active response that led to him to offer his own son as a sacrifice albeit one that, that God provided um, an alternative for. Noah 
was called to trust God in an active response that seemed ludicrous, building this boat when he was out in the middle of like the desert. Moses was called to trust God in an act of defiance that led to the release and the, the safety of his people. Esther was called to trust God that could have got her killed. In a response that could have got her killed. But actually, it led to the protection of her people. David was called to trust God in an active response that led to the release of the oppression of his people when he killed Goliath. Paul was called to trust God in an active response when he tried to embrace the very people that he was persecuting. I mean, if I was going out killing a group of people and then I went, actually, no, I want to be part of your team. Can I be on your side, please? I'd be a bit worried that they were going to go, no, and just kill me. You know, maybe maybe not maybe not these days. Maybe they'd just have me arrested. I don't know. Um, but the point is, what's God calling you to? What active response is this trust in God going to call you to? Like... Um, when we were talking about James the other week, that faith without, without works is dead. Well, there's a, there's a point to that because trusting in, in the Lord calls us to action. It's a call to action. It's a call to do something that's, that's saying, as a response to this, I, I know what Jesus is all about. I know what God's all about. I know what he's promised. I know what he's um, said over me. I therefore know that actually... I need to do something in response to this. When God calls me to do something, I can be sure that he's, that he's telling the truth. I can be sure that God really did say, and I can make that step then that, that I can do this active response. It's participation that he draws us to. Trusting in the Lord is not something we do in order to get a ticket to heaven. It's something we do in order to actively participate in bringing God's kingdom here on earth, his rule and his reign in our hearts, in our minds, um, in, in the society that we live in. It's something that works. Not in some flimsy, sort of less than concrete sense. Not a faith in something, oh, there's something bigger than me, there's a, there's a higher power that I, that I trust in and, and all this sort of stuff. We know who we trust in. We trust in, we trust in I am. We trust in Yahweh, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God who sent his son to sacrifice himself for us, to take the place, to win the victory, to be resurrected. We trust in that hope of a future resurrection, a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we trust in. But it's not some sort of out there thing. It's something that's, that's this is it. And all things made new life. That's what we that's what we hope for. So sort of in conclusion, I guess, if you wanna sounds like an essay that doesn't it? In conclusion. Um, you see, you can trust in the Lord because it's a logical response. Because God really did say, and because in the moments and realities that we all experience we know that God is I am. We know that even if, when even if happens, God is worthy of our trust. And in fact, it's the only response we ought to have towards him. 
So let me, uh, I guess we're gonna go into a song after this, but let me leave you with the words of that video that we, that we saw at the beginning. Faith in God is always a response to truth and reality. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.